When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Confidential, a part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. I'm Christina, so happy to have you with us. Right off the bat, I want to say that Sarah Pauly's Women Talking is easily one of my most powerful movie experiences of 2022. And the opportunity to talk to actor Sheila McCarthy was amazing. To talk about this film, these themes, and the truths that really resonated so strongly with me long after I had seen the film. Sheila McCarthy is a veteran actor of stage and theater. She's worked with everyone from Eugene Levy to Liza Minnelli and worked with the director of Women Talking, Sarah Pauly. Pauly was a child actor and McCarthy played her mother in Road to Avonlea. Sheila McCarthy was also fabulous as Agnes in the recent Netflix hit The Umbrella Academy. Women Talking, written and directed by the great Sarah Pauly, is based on the 2018 Miriam Taves novel. It's about a group of women from an isolated Mennonite colony who are grappling with the impact if they should stay or if they should leave after it's revealed that the men from their community have drugged and raped the women for years. They have 48 hours while the men are away. They gather in a hayloft to discuss whether they should stay and fight leave or do nothing. The film has incredible performances by my guests Sheila McCarthy, Rooney Mara, Claire Foy, Jesse Buckley, Judith Ives, Ben Wishaw, and Frances McDormand, who's also a producer on the film. And I also want to mention the incredible score by Hildur Gudnadsdottir. Why does love, the absence of love, the end of love, the need for love, result in so much violence? It was all waiting to happen before it happened. You could look back and follow the breadcrumbs along the path that led to violence. When we looked back, it had been everywhere. It is a part of our faith to forgive. We would be forced to leave the colonies if we do not forgive these men. None of you will listen to reason. We know that we've not imagined these attacks. We know that we are bruised and terrified. Hope for the unknown is good. It is better than hatred of the familiar. We cannot endure any more violence. We have been preyed upon like animals. Maybe we should respond like animals. How would you feel if in your entire life it never mattered what you thought? We've liberated ourselves. We will have to ask ourselves who we are.
Ms. Sheila McCarthy, thank you so much for joining me. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, I wrote after seeing it that I caught myself holding my breath through certain scenes and feeling conversations I myself have had and other women have had, and I really thought it was fantastic. Oh, thank you. You know, I I, I kind of equate it to a, we're singing a very long hymn for the 90 minutes. It's just uh, with with bumps and ups and downs, but that's what it seems like to me, you know. Yes. Sarah Polly, a fellow Canadian national treasure like yourself, um, <laughs> she contacted you about this project. And I understand you guys had a very long Zoom. We did. Can you talk a little bit about the vision that she presented to you? Mm-hmm. We did. We, we um, I think we Zoomed for over an hour. And first she was very apologetic. She's, she said, you know, because I have to make sure that I, I find the right people to be in the loft, the hayloft together. And, you know, you have to go through some hoops for the studios and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it was just, it was such an incredible hour with her one-on-one um, where actually a lot of groundwork got laid and I, I wasn't even really cast yet, but we, we, we talked at great length right from the beginning of the script to the end of the script. And I knew then and there that her vision was really ironclad and strong and she she had worked on this for so long and um you know I've worked with Sarah as an actor to actor and uh, I played her mom in a movie and but as director to actor we've never done this and I as the zoom went on I realized how incredibly important this film was going to be and how much I would love to be part of it so wow it took 3 weeks to find out and I was like oh my goodness to get pinned <laughs> So the novel written by Miriam Taves and the mm-hmm. film by Sarah Poli, it kind of stems from real events around mm-hmm. 2005, a Mennonite community in Bolivia where, where women were drugged and raped and, and gaslit, essentially, mm-hmm. written off as female hysteria. Um, but Women Talking is about the conversation that happens afterwards, the difficult issues and what, what should they should do. What is the conversation? You know, what I just just to go back one second, what I loved what Miriam Taves did was she took what was a horrific story and turned it into um, a a novel of hope and um, firsts of these incredibly repressed women in this patriarchal society um, deciding to, to do something about their fate. So the conversation is post the rapes and although there are flashbacks you never see them you don't need to see them the conversation is the step forward it is the beginning of um these eight women and one man um taking their faith and their you know their secret powers and beginning a conversation to finally discuss what happened to them and how to move forward or not move forward and so that's the fable. That's the fairy tale of the piece. And I thought, what an incredible way to um, tell this harrowing story with a with a platform of of positive thinking and and conversation. So that's you know I think Miriam wrote that in the book, and then Sarah took the very best of that in her screenplay, and then started to think about the visuals of of 
what can also be laced into our conversations with each other when we only have 48 hours and what is that ticking clock and what is the what is the what is the landscape of the world that we live in which is sort of timeless and mm. you know seeped in in browns and taupes to make it seem um otherworldly and it could be anywhere so uh yeah it's um it could be anywhere and and yeah. it's mm -hmm. such a contemporary modern cultural context of discussions as well that I want to get mm -hmm. into that resonate in any time for mm -hmm. women. But before we I get into that, who is Greta? How would you describe mm -hmm. her? Uh, Greta Lowen is one of the, I would say, elders of the um, of, of the women who are chosen to um, decide the fate of the entire colony and she has you know um there's she has two daughters in the loft with her but there will be many many other children and grandchildren you know these women all had 12 13 children and how many grand so she is the matriarch of the Lowen family um and Greta is I would say she's the she's one of the quietest ones of the bunch she bides her time she there's a gentle wry humor to Greta um that she uses as her secret weapon, I think, to further the conversation and to to convince the others, um, I think, of what she quite firmly believes in right from the beginning, which is, you know, that after what has happened to her and to her children and to her grandchildren um, is something that cannot be lived with. And it's not a matter of of leaving it's that we cannot stay. And I think that as, as a human being, like I've always, that's sort of one of my doctrines. You know, if I'm in a situation, well, I can't really stay here. So I guess that means I have to leave. Don't necessarily want to. It's kind of scary, but that is, that's the only thing to do. So, um, you know, she, she bides her time, you know, Greta, and listens very carefully and deeply to the conversations and I think being older and slightly, you know, um, she has this more, more of a sage wisdom um, because of her years to sit and wait and to, um, you know, just convince. I love how you, you use secret weapon, which I think is is something women can do to not have conjecture and divide in a conversation, but you use mm -hmm. another form of psychology maybe to get to something deeper. Well, with the faith, these women have great faith and the basis of everything, everything in their lives is done with that incredible, you know, uh, safety net of their faith. And com what comes with that is an incredible patience and tolerance and need for pacifism and, and a need to listen and to, and to weigh everything very carefully. So though, although there's a ticking clock, we only have 48 hours, um, we will not be rushed. And I, I, I that, you know, when, when Sarah Polly um, was first writing the screenplay, I know she met with a group of Mennonite women um, and they were the first people to see the film too, to give oh, wow. their, you know, to sign off on it. And um, th the two things they wanted to see in the movie were laughter and human contact, touching. Mm. Because when women are alone, and we know this from being women too, it's a different conversation when it's just women in the room. You know, a man comes in, something changes um, a lot of the time. And so they were very adamant that Sarah create this uh, hayloft 
of physical contact and listening and nurturing and laughter. And I think just it, woven into the horror of what they're discussing is also that. One of the most powerful, I just really cried is is the scene that where they've they've been discussing i mean the discussions are are you know tense then a child comes in um yeah. who's in distress the mother takes her in her arms and all the other women regard irregardless of where they are in the conversation just gather around her and as you were saying touch and this human it's just yeah. this is what's important right now and you know what what's incredible about what sarah did with that particular moment she does with the whole movie um, she doesn't rush. And, you know, in this world that we're living in where people's attention spans are, you know, like a flea, um, it it, it requires patience to watch this movie. And, but I think if you allow that in, um, it's it's a relief, too. It's it's uh, it's it gives you time to think inter- when you're watching that movie and and be moved by it. And, um, it, you know, that you don't see that very often. And as we were saying before, the the sort of modern cultural context that you can... Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today. And uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to this discussion. I mean, how many times haven't we heard, why didn't you just leave him? Why didn't you just leave that hotel room or whatever? Um, Here there's issues of gender identity. I know that you had a lot of discussions while you were Mm -hmm. filming and spent many hours. Did you guys talk about that in relationship to now, what the discussions were? Oh, uh, definitely. We had, had, you know, a two-week rehearsal period that was full of dissection and discussion. Um, Once we sort of hit the hayloft, we were more concerned with the text. but, But still, you know, it was women talking off camera. Well, trying to get us to shut up to make <laughs> women talking. So there was a lot of discussion about that for sure. And one of and one of the threads that I was concerned about was for for Greta. Um, you know, she has enabled her daughters over the years to be abused, to turn a blind eye, um, and to not stop what she knew was going on. And um, that is an incredible um, epiphany halfway through the movie to apologize and yes. to to uh, for probably the very first time to to wake up and to say this is wrong and we need to change this. And so, you know, you're right. I mean, how many women and not just women, men, too, uh, they go back. They go back to what they know. And so that's what we're trying to change. And that's what the conversation is. Again, you can't stay, so you have to leave. So 
you know, what, what are the obstacles in our way and how can we do this? Does this go away against every tenet of our faith? What about the men? Well, let's, you know, let's, let's get the men to leave. Let's stay. I mean, it's, the discussion is so intricate and, um, but we, we did, we, we did go to Roe versus Wade. We did talk about all those things that are so relevant now because it's, you know, the hayloft is the world in a microcosm, isn't it? It's like three generations of, of people discussing, you know, death and life. And Sarah Pauli really created, I understand, a, a safe environment for generosity to share. Mm. Many people shared their own stories. I understand. Oh, yeah. 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 That must have been an incredible experience. Yes. And and, and um, we had a grief counselor at our beck and call, too, if we needed. And, you know, there were two young girls in the film who've never worked you know, really, what a way to start a career and to be part of this. So we were very cognizant of their teenage actors that yeah, teenage, you know, first, but actually, they taught us, you know, they were, you know, they were um, so open. And uh, they taught us, you know, in many, many ways, we talk about forgiveness. But what is forgiveness? Can forgiveness also be giving permission for someone yes. to do something horrible or keep doing it? And 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 I really hadn't oh. thought of that discussion in that way. So it, you're mm-hmm. just turning things in every different direction. Yes, putting those two words together, forgiveness and permission. Um, and that line, Sarah didn't get from the book. Someone said that to her uh, in the course of writing. And that really resonated with her because that's right. If you forgive, does that does that then give someone permission to continue this cycle of violence? And uh, it's a complicated idea, you know. And silence, the you know, the, the silence is finally being broken. But um, it is only when the young ones force us to confront our silence and say, "You can't do it. We caught them. We caught them. It's tangible." change has to happen. Sarah seems so open to to that as a director. I understand that one of the most um, power, really powerful scenes that Greta has was an idea that came from you um, uh, that she later used. This is a post her own rape scene. Mm-hmm. Will you talk about it? Well, it, you know, it, I, I've thought a lot about this. Yes, it, uh, I, my, I'm, as I said, the scenes are all the movie's not about the rapes. They're about the aftermath of the rape and what we're going to do. But each of us sort of have our own moment. And mine is um, um, my teeth falling out and and some blood. And the day after we shot it, which I thought was also a metaphor too, like, you know, you have your teeth punched out of your mouth and you're fitted with teeth that don't fit. So you don't have your voice. Like what an incredible metaphor that is that Miriam created. And, but anyway, the day after we shot that scene, I I went up to Sarah and I said, you know, I should have, Greta should have made her bed. And she just went, she just looked to the sky and went, why didn't we do that? And um, I said, yeah, oh, well. And two and a half months later, it was just Sarah and I left to finish the movie. Everyone had gone home. They'd all wrapped. And um, she came into my trailer and she just said, do you want to make your bed? And she had the production manager, Peter, um, put together my bedroom again and um I said like I couldn't believe it and uh I walked onto the set and Sarah said to the crew um we're going to redo Sheila's uh scene with her teeth at the edge of the bed because she needs to make her bed and it's her idea and 
it's a really good one and it's a really important one. You know, let's make our bed like it never happened. And the whole crew, like everybody was so on board and so got it. And that was the end of the movie. And, you know, uh, for me, that was bigger and more important than any award or anything that there are so few directors who collaborate like that and then give you credit for it. Like it was just um, uh, an, an amazing moment in my life and in my career. It is such an incredibly strong idea. For me, it was really how it can be for a woman that something horrible happens, but the next day you have to make your bed and take care of your kids and yeah. move on. <laughs> and move on and life yeah. goes on. And these women are busy. You know, they are busy, busy women with the practical daily tasks of their days. And, you know, it's it's the earth and it's their kitchens and it's it's their children and their grandchildren. They're sewing and they're walking. Like they are, their lives are filled with busy. And so this is a moment of just reckoning, really. Right, right. Yeah. And also so moving. There's so many great things, but just the fact that they're voting to me was I know. just the voting vote. That you know, you're, you're, I'm so glad. Yeah. You know, I'm so glad you brought that up because about a month ago, I was voting in Toronto. It's a mu municipal election in, in the city of Toronto. And I was in the booth casting my my ballot and I I'm always very moved by that like I always think this is like a big I, I take it very seriously and I thought I thought back to the women you know they may be illiterate they maybe can't read or write and they've only had the bible read to them and they know their hymns but that black x of casting a vote for the very first time in their lives is is like the launching pad for the film and it just it's so important and so moving to me and the fact that sarah was saying in an interview recently that she a small victory but a big victory for us working women everywhere is that this this was going to be a 10-hour day shoot and she would oh. go home and put her children to bed and so would everyone else who needed to and wanted to and things like that, which. And she stuck to that. Like she, I mean, it, we had some hellish mornings at 3 a.m. in the make, well, getting the mascara I had on the night before taken off. But she, but, you know, she stuck to that because there, it wasn't just the, like cast and, and her three children. A lot of the crew really appreciated that men and women going home to their children and having, and being able to put their children to sleep. Pretty great. Pretty great. Yeah. Has has this project um, got you thinking at all about sort of encouraging critical thinking and rebellion and things out of young women? Have um, I mean, mostly from the reaction of you know we were in Telluride and 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 young women um, coming up and and just just hugging me and saying yes and the, and they are the, you know we're passing the baton to them. I mean, uh, without question. And um, any movie that elicits the kind of conversation that this movie is eliciting is is uh, is just an incredible side effect to having been part of this piece of art. So um, I, I love the conversations and not just women, you know, I've uh, families having yes. discussions over dinner and arguing about the movie and 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 really being puzzled by it and you know well where do they go <laughs> and, and you know what happens to them and and um you know uh unanswerable questions it's you know but it it that that um doesn't always happen when you make a movie <laughs> rarely happen 
we have a lot of discussions in our modern society today, but so much fighting and conjecture and, mm. and um, not listening to either side. I mean, Sarah, Polly was saying about a director she worked with as a young star that she had a bad experience with that she would really like to talk to him and hope mm. that he would hear her perspectives. And, and not mm -hmm. a lot of people say that, that we have to you sit know, down and talk. <laughs> I, this, yes. And I think the, the, the takeaway from this movie, I mean, last week when we were in Los Angeles and there were 20 women on stage, that's a powerful optic to see. Um, and I, you know, I think it would be nice to not notice that someday. Yes. It would be super great for these young actresses in the movie to just, you know, that, that we don't notice it, but we're not there yet. And I think that this movie is an incredible stepping stone to achieving that. And, um, you know, the, 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 the cat's out of the bag. We have to, we have to move forward. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and they're rolling out this movie with a lot of university um, gender studies groups and stuff. So we're hearing from a lot of people, mm. um, the grassroots of this movement. Um, and that is, that's teaching me tons. I, I can't miss asking you about August, um, Ben uh, Wishaw, the, the man. I mean, he's also incredibly moving and a sort of a mm -hmm. representation, you can tell me, but of, of a good man, of an ed, someone with education who's, yes. who's been been mm -hmm. taught that rebellion we were talking about, critical thinking. Um, Absolutely. Who is he? So so, so August is, is the one man um, and I, elected to join us in the hayloft to document to, to write a diary, to, to write down our conversation, to write down what the women are talking about, every single word. And he is the teacher in the colony who has also been blacklisted for going away to university and then coming back in. But he is the shining light of what a man could and should be. And, um, um, he, you know, his fragility is, is just, he's hard on his sleeve trying to um, respect and honor everything that we say in the hayloft for those two days. And then he is the one who stays, you know, who will stay behind and try to influence the boys of the colony. Um, and, you know, we give him a hard time sometimes, you know, because, you know, we've well, outspoken women in the colony say, you know what, your job is just to write things down. You don't have a voice. <laughs> so, um, uh, ben Wishaw was just just an incredible, you know, uh, he's an incredible actor, and it just it was a masterclass watching him work. But but the part and and in the book, um, August narrates the book, mm -hmm. which made total sense because he was the voice of the women. But then in the ninth hour, Sarah and Dee Dee Gardner and uh, um, I think the editor decided that the voice of the film should be the young girl. And I think that was a stroke of genius to, to, was, was. to, to have her talk to an unborn child and say, this is what happened here and your life will be different. Finally, I asked the well the group, and and I was allowed to say I'm I'm a member of the Critics Choice Association and the Women's Committee there, and we mm. give out a Sophie Seal. It's called it's the Seal of Female Empowerment in Entertainment. That since September, it's been the Woman King, and she said, for example, um, and women talking is the next one that's going to get the seal. Oh, um, wow. So first of all, congratulations. Oh, that's wonderful. That's just great. Wow.
in in this world that we live in now it's about it's all very well and good to make these movies but you you want people to see them and i awards like that and you know whatever else comes our way for me is like a platform to say take the time to see this movie. I mean, and that sounds really simple, but, you know, go to, go to the cinema and see this film and have a life-changing experience and talk about it. And so any time there's recognition like that, um, you know, art is, uh, art is to be communicated. Art is, is, uh, you know, there's secrets that need to be let out and, and um, otherwise what's it for, you know? And so that's, um it's so great and it it provokes you know uh audiences seeing it and and millions of people seeing it and for you as an artist you were mentioning before how um you hope that one day seeing 20 women on a stage um had behind a movie will not be anything strange it will we won't even talk about it but what is it for you to be an actor today to be involved in a project with women both behind and in front and with these issues that it's talking about? You know what? It's just, um, it's overwhelming. And it, it to be part of this, this movement, because it does feel like a movement as opposed to, you know, a piece of art, but it, it to be part of this wave, it feels natural and it feels like the way it should be. And it's what you hope for. And it's, and it, it feels right. That's how it feels. That's great. Sheila, thank you so much for oh, your you're welcome. time. Um, I'm going to get my two sons to see this movie. But in the meantime, um, they're, <laughs> they're going to be very proud of the fact that I talked to Agnes <laughs> in the Umbrella Academy. Oh, so I can so probably cute. get them to have some discussions on women yeah, talking as That's well. <laughs> great. Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you so much to Sheila McCarthy. Do not miss Women Talking. It will be out in theaters soon. And thank you so much for joining us. You can subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Hello, and welcome to Guilty Greeny. I feel like we should start off this show by saying it's nearly impossible to be 100% sustainable given the current world we live in. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Not a great analogy for a vegetarian, but, you know. We're talking uh, about sustainability, (laughs) maybe not the best analogy. Don't eat the elephant is the first rule of the guilty green. (laughs) There's your first challenge of the week. Avoid (laughs) elephants. What they used to call frugal is now considered sustainable. That's such an aha moment. Frugal to sustainable. You can save money and help the planet. That's going to be our new tagline for sure. You can find Guilty Greenie on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast platform you prefer. And join us in tackling the Guilty Greenie challenges. Until then, stay curiously green.